This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay. And in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and ClearPay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Well, hello there. Welcome to Gamescoop Presents Back in the Day, IGN's new retro gaming podcast. I am Damon Hatfield, host of Gamescoop, and uh, I like to think retro gaming aficionado. I'm joined by Jack DeVries. I'm young, so it's I true. don't know why I'm here. Well, you, you've still you've been playing games since you were a little pup. Yeah, yes. And you were a, a little pup in the 90s, so that kind of qualifies Which is now, now old. That's retro now. Re- so, 90 yeah. games, 90s games are retro. In video game years, I'm ancient. It's true. <laughs> And uh, Colin Moriarty. Yes, he's also here. Uh, maybe let's let's start out by uh, just discussing a little bit of our uh, where our retro gaming roots. Okay. So my, my my first gaming console I ever had was an Atari Twenty Six Hundred, and I think the first game I remember playing is Defender. On that, uh, how about you guys? First console, first game you remember playing? Um, first console I actually owned was a Sega Genesis because my parents hated gaming. But I the first games I would play religiously was uh, Super Mario Brothers on the NES. Um, so, but you had the Genesis first? I had it. Well, no. I would go over to my friend's house and play oh, okay. Mario and would yeah. sneak up to his room and sometimes would sneak in when he was gone. I don't know how I got away with that. Um, yeah, weird. When I was like four and would play it. But Genesis and Sonic the Hedgehog 1 mm-hmm. were my first games that I personally owned. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I, my the first console I owned was an NES. So my, the earliest game I remember playing is Kid Icarus. Uh, but... Uh, I, I was bl- really because I was born in 1984, so really I was blessed with having a brother that's 11 years older than me. And uh, since I was very, like, very, very young, I, I just wrote about it actually in the Final Fantasy IV PSP review about how my brother would, when I was like six or seven, he would be playing Final Fantasy II when it just came out. And when everyone went to bed, he'd come into my room and like sneak, like you know, be like, come, come into my room and watch yeah. me play it late at night or whatever. And then I'd sit there. So it, it was really due to him that I had exposure to things like Atari and, and early NES games and stuff like that, which is good. So cool. yeah. 
You have a retro gaming like system of choice. Like, what's been your favorite console ever? For me, it has to be the NES. Oh yeah, it probably is for yeah. I mean, I think most people. Yeah, anyone who actually got to play an NES while it was out will yeah. probably say that. Yeah, I agree. NES has the. I really think the first of all, NES's library is huge, and it has really something for everyone, and really many things for everyone. So that's like yeah. really the best part about it is like it's you, you don't you know you point to something like even like a contemporary like master system you're like all right it has like Alex Kidd and like Fantasy Star but like w- with this it's like you know NES has like a you know a slew of RPGs and a slew of action games and some great you know puzzle games and some great you know even adventure games like oh, point yeah. and click like adventure games and stuff yeah so. that's where I was you know got started playing point and click games like Shadowgate Uninvited uh, Deja Vu and even uh, there was King's Quest Five nice. uh, that's that's where I played King's Quest Five was on the NES yeah it's awesome I mean I'm sure some people think that that's an impure port sure, of maybe, the game maybe, but, it probably is but, but that's, that's put, how I experienced yeah, it yeah that was that was my, my earliest experience with adventure games and point and click games too because it's like I didn't really play P- the earliest PC game I remember playing was like Chips Challenge so that's like well after that's around maybe the mid 90s but that was about when I started getting into that stuff so I know you're a big Castlevania fan. Yes, Colin, and you rec- you wrote a piece this week on Castlevania. I did. Um, yeah, I just felt like uh, a few weeks ago I wrote a piece about Mega Man Two and Mega Man Three, which are really popular NES games, and I wanted to kind of spin that off into writing about some other another series I really loved, which definitely is Castlevania and the trio of NES Castlevania games. I think are really great. I think they're all really epic games. Um, and I wanted to write about how, even though I think many people accept, and I know you do, I don't know how Jack feels about it, but I know that many people accept that Symphony of the Night is the on PlayStation and Saturn is the best Castlevania game, but I wanted to kind of reignite passion for the original Castlevania games on NES and how we first appreciated the horror genre and how we first appreciated the sights and sounds of the day and how they really did scare the shit out of us, at least me. So and, I didn't I didn't have that experience. So it, tell me about it. Your, it didn't scare the shit out of me. Really? I liked I liked the game oh, a lot, really? but I was never scared by it. Oh, I definitely was. And like I, I talked about the um Nintendo Power cover for Simon's Quest, which is the second Castlevania game, and how it's a picture of a like a real person holding like Dracula's head, like Simon Belmont holding Dracula's head, and how that was like really scared people back in the day. That's like, like an infamous cover of Nintendo <laughs> Power. Cool do, you, do you remember what issue that is? Uh, no, it's like it nineteen eighty early. Yeah, it's nineteen eighty eight, I think. So it would have to be like in the first I mean, 20 like, issues. At, oh, at yeah. But I thought that's when it started. Uh, Mario. Oh, yeah. I guess so. Was Mario, Mario 2, 2 was the first cover. So, yeah, it have to be maybe only a year or so after that at the most. But, yeah, yeah I don't know the exact date. How old were you when you first played Castlevania then? Or, like, uh, what grade were you in? Like, I was probably like four or five when I first started playing okay. Castlevania. So, I don't know what you're probably, You're like in kindergarten yeah. playing this game. Yeah. Maybe that's why it's, I was probably in fourth or fifth grade. Okay. Uh, quite a, several years older when I played it, so maybe that's why. Yeah, and 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 I, I was scared by many things as a kid, so it was it was it wasn't that surprising that those things would scare me. But that definitely invokes when you play horror games now and stuff like. I definitely think about the music and the, the like the MIDI sounds and stuff like that. Really, the music is really really good. Yeah. in Castle. Oh yeah. So I mean, what are your what are your you know? I, so I, I I said my piece about the NES Castlevania games. And you just how feel passionate like the, 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 the trio of NES games are overlooked. Oh, I think very because. easily and rightfully so in a way because I mean Castlevania since Symphony of the Night has gone in such a specific Metroidvania RPG direction with for the most part with the exception of some of the PS2 games mm-hmm. and then uh, Lords of Shadow which just came yeah. out. Yeah, uh, totally different from yeah NES. yeah. And and I like those games too, but and I even like Castlevania sixty four. But I, I I think that you know the way they moved in the RPG direction with the huge sprawling maps, and I think that people have forgotten the, the really the, I think the proud roots of the series. And I just wanted people that maybe forgot about them or never played them to begin with to really go back and say like, turn on your Wii and just spend fifteen bucks and download the three Castlevania games and just see where they came from and see I, obviously the controls are pretty stiff and it doesn't we have rose tinted glasses in a sense when we think about those games because we loved them as a kid but they're still really good and I just wanted people to go back and, and experience them again if they could 
So here's what, how I thought about the, the, the NES trio. Okay. I really liked the first one because I was into like horror stuff. I was mm-hmm. really into horror movies when I was a kid. So I, I found, oh, there's this cool horror game, you know, where you're going through this haunted castle and whipping Medusa heads and looking for Dracula. I thought that was great. But then the second one blew my mind because it was it was so such a deeper game. Right. Like it's more it was more of an adventure. Like I've always liked games that let me explore. You know, like uh, you know, like Zelda and stuff like that, where I actually could like take my time exploring new environments. Whereas the original Castlevania was an action game. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like much more faster pace, and you don't you're not exploring. You don't you don't get to decide where you go. And, you're, yeah, you're moving timed. in a very linear straight line. Yeah. So I loved 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 the second game. But then when the third one came out, I, it was. Back to closer, much closer to what the first game was. Right. So I was like, I was disappointed with that. I was like, well, I, I, I want to play that. I like that action RPG style of, of Castlevania 2. Yeah, I, I dig it too. And I, I think that's what I kind of called out in the piece was that for the Castlevania games we got in the in America, and obviously there were like MSX games and PC Engine games that we didn't get and, and stuff like that. And we got these games much later. But when you really look at what Symphony of the Night did, it, uh, obviously it took uh, a, <laughs> a major cue from Super Metroid, but it also really kind of continued, I think, a, a tradition that they kind of tried to do with Simon's Quest. And it's kind of funny when you think about NES games, three series come to mind that, you know, that I think about, like, where the first game did something and the second game did something really different. People actually enjoyed it. Super Mario 2, obviously, is not a real Super Mario game, but it, that's totally different, really, Still than the first one. awesome game. Yeah, it's awesome. And obviously, Zelda 2 is totally different than the original yeah, Zelda. Totally. And so Castlevania 2 kind of did the same kind of thing. And I, I agree. I think Simon's Quest is the best Castlevania game with the exception of Symphony of the Night. Hmm. Um, but okay. but I also know it's like in a. Uh, I think that's a, a controversial yeah. statement, Jack. It, um, I don't know. I think I, I think I might agree with that. Actually, yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a way I wouldn't agree with it. But no, I'm I'm gonna give him to that. <laughs> I mean, what what? So Jack, what what Castlevania games did you really enjoy? I mean, I mean Castlevania Two is definitely um, right there for me because that was actually the first one I played. Um, I missed one because I was a baby, mm. and um, and then three I I couldn't really get into it because two was my first one. And I was like, oh, this one's different. I don't like it as much and stuff. I really liked the exploring thing. And I think that's later what um, got me into the Metroid series, actually, was that I really liked getting to run around and like go back and search and find yeah, things right. and find new things. And so that was kind of how I got into that. So like that's how Castlevania always kind of has that soft spot for me. It's interesting that you say that because now, now Castlevania now is a blend of Metroid, Metroid and, and Castlevania, the original Castlevania. Mm. Right? Yeah, they call yeah. it Metroidvania. Right. That's what we think of as modern Castlevania games. Yeah, and I mean, and that's totally fine. Like when I think about like when I think about in 2001 going the day that Game Boy Advance came out and picking up Circle of the Moon, like that was really exciting because Symphony of the Night happened in 97 and we had to wait really four years to get another one of those games. And that was even though it was like really dark and you had to play it under a lamp and stuff like that was the yeah. interesting <laughs> thing with that with that game. It was like it was still really fun. And now we really come to expect those games and they're coming out almost like Madden games, not quite as often, but like you you have a lot of them on GBA and DS. Um, and I think that's totally fine, but like, I just wanted people to, I just want I like, I love old games and I, I think that they're really solid, a lot of really, um, as we get further, like a lot of solid games are being ignored and because there's only so many hours in the day and I understand that. And some of us were lucky enough to be able to play them when they came out. And so I just wanted to kind of spread that love with people, um, that may, may have missed them or just forgot about them. I know that reading the comments in the story, a lot of people looked at the Nintendo power cover and were like, man, I remember that cover. Like. That's that's what retro gaming is all about. So I just want you know the remembrance and like understanding where you know I I really believe that understanding where games are now you really have to understand where games were. And so that's kind of what I was trying to. Yeah, something I've been realizing recently is that there, there's a lot of people that played the NES and have these, the same memories that we do. And the, that number isn't getting smaller. Obviously, those people are always going to be there. But the amount of gamers who never played an NES game is getting bigger and bigger. Because, right. Yeah. Right. I mean, it just makes sense if you you may not think of it. But. Right. 
So yeah, there's so many like IGN readers who like we sit around and talk about NES games all the time, but like so many of our of our readers did not have that experience and or haven't played an NES game yet. Yeah, it's a it's a bummer. I mean, I understand. I mean, you can't you can't help that. You know, yeah, you're it's only like what you were exposed to. I mean, like I said, like I was born in '84, so if I wasn't if I was the oldest Moriarty kid, for instance, instead of being the youngest, then I wouldn't have had like sisters and a brother that were like really playing this stuff and you know really showing it to me at an early age and really bringing me up as a gamer from a very very early age and. Uh, um, sometimes I'd even think about these games I was playing when I was really young and like I go back and play them now like Kid Icarus or whatever I was like I'm pretty sure I was like five and six like totally killing this game and now I'm like I can barely play it anymore and so it's, <laughs> it's just kind of funny I understand people don't have the same experiences but I think retro gaming is like super important I like knowing you know as being a lover of history I like knowing where things have been and I think you can really make like a genetic trail from games back in the day to where they've been now and I really like that kind of stuff so that was what I was kind of trying to talk about in my piece what was the response to it? Um, I think it was mostly positive some people uh, we're disappointed that I didn't bring up Super Castlevania, uh, which is a Super Nintendo game, Castlevania 4, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, Rondo of Blood and Bloodlines and stuff like that. Um, and but these came later. These are the 16-bit era yeah, of Castlevania. And, and I know people are really fond of, for instance, like Rondo of Blood. I know people really love that game. And I know people really love, you know, Super Castlevania. Yeah. Um, I'm not as into those games as I am into the NES games. And really what I was trying, I really wanted to focus on the NES games, the, the, the trilogy on NES. And that's even what the strap line of the article said. So mm-hmm. people... We're quick to point that out, but at the same time, like there, there's enough room for appreciation of those games. But I, I wanted to go way back to the the roots of Castlevania, and at least in America, and um, and see where those games were, and just kind of show how, like, kind of string at the red between those games to the games of today. Did you get into Harmony of Despair? Uh, no, I didn't. So that's the uh, the downloadable game, right? Yeah. Okay. So someone had said in the comments that there's a map in that game that is the entire original castle. From Castlevania, is I that, think so. That's I mean, pretty cool. The game awesome. is all assets from previous Castlevania games. That's all. I didn't know. I didn't know that. I'm waiting. I, I play mostly at home on PlayStation, so that game's only on XBLA. And I've been waiting, and I was kind of certain that it would eventually come, but it seems like <laughs> well, if, if, it, if it follows the normal trait, we got Castle Crashers like two and a half years later. So yeah, maybe we'll get it sometime <laughs> in 2013. Mortal Kombat came out this week. Indeed. I don't know yeah, if you guys heard about that. What is the this new, game? New Mortal Kombat. Reboot of the Mortal Kombat franchise. Uh, and actually, the game, I think the game it turned out really well. It's, it's oh, actually yeah, really cool. Oh, yeah, Mortal Kombat in over a decade? Yeah, easily. Like I, You know, you were saying you weren't really into it, Colin, but I just I, I think that the, it's a really entertaining game to watch. The, the fatalities are so awesome. They make me so happy to watch the fatalities and the babalities. It's, it's just like... <laughs> Is that so much creativity went into those, and then it's like I, I like the it's it's kind of an old school gaming thing where they, there's there's secrets that you have to find, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, just neat. Yeah, I mean, I I totally am digging this game. Ryan Scott and I were were playing it and and trying to figure out whether it was the best Mortal Kombat since three or if it was the best Mortal Kombat ever, which yeah. is uh, people are saying both which of these things could be possible because I mean the original Mortal Kombat like. It's not that it's not great a of a game. Yeah, it's just it's not deep. It's it not... was always all about the fatalities. Like right, if you exactly. if you took the fatalities out of Mortal Kombat, what would it be? It'd be Pit Fighter on a you know two D plane. Like. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like, yeah, it's it if and it feels so much like the old sixteen um, bit kind of era mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat games. I mean, it's finally back in two D. It's got this uh, like a lot of the moves just feel like they used to and they're using a lot of the the same like kind of classic moves like they've they've went away from that so while like scorpion and sub-zero still did their like spear and freezing things like you didn't have that like cheesy katana fan thing anymore but that's back so like as you play it you start to like get back into that mode 
and figure it out. And it's it's kind of refreshing to like have Mortal Kombat back. Yeah. Yeah. Colin, I think you said Mortal Kombat is the last game you would want to play. Like, yeah, I mean, ever, right? Yeah, I mean, so like <laughs> my memory, you know, I haven't played the new Mortal Kombat. I'm not going to judge the game as it is now. I will say that I'm completely disinterested in playing it because of my experience with Mortal Kombat when we were younger. So what and, was that experience? So, I mean, I, I very clearly remember getting Mortal Kombat on SNES, because that's what I had uh, for my birthday. My mom, like, picked me up at school when she had the box. And obviously, this was the, the version of the game that didn't have blood in it and stuff like that. So No spine rip? Yeah, none of that stuff. And that's fine. I was I didn't really care. I, I wanted, like, a fighting game. I was really into Street Fighter. And, and uh, again, because my brother, was re- we were really into it on SNES, Street Fighter 2 and ter- 2 Turbo and stuff. And what I really think about the game is, like, yeah, it, w- it was gimmicky. You know, it's like... It's 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 often a conversation I get on podcasts beyond when we talk about Sonic because I I hate Sonic. And, I've never and, been I've never been a Sonic fan either. And what I always say is like, you know, all right, so Sonic, you know, Sonic One and Super Mario World are like contemporaries, right? And one is like a really <laughs> to it, me, there's like there's no comparison. Yeah, ex- like it, Super Mario World is such a vastly superior game. Exactly, right? and that's that's kind of the way <laughs> it's, it's like. That's crazy to me. It's like it's like one game is really still a ten. Super Mario World is like an amazing game. Yes. It still feels great. It looks great. One game has gimmicks. It's like a fast character and like all this crap, but it, the game is stiff and it doesn't feel good at all. Like I, I played it. It came out on PSN recently, and I was like, this game sucks. Like, and that's kind of the way I feel about Mortal Kombat. It's like you have a really solid fighter with Street Fighter Two, a really good game, a game people still play, and then you have Mortal Kombat, which people played because of the violence in the game, mm-hmm. and that was especially timely with everything that was going on with ESRB at the time, and and the government really getting involved in video games, and so that's what people remember. But when you play the game mechanically, that game isn't good, and that's what I think about. You know, I always just went back to Street Fighter Two Turbo. I'm like, this game's better, you know, and so that's what I think about. So with Mortal Kombat, like whenever I hear Mortal Kombat, it's like when two and three came out. Yeah, you played it in the arcade and it was fun. But you're like, man, like this series is kind of stupid. Like, I, like there's a better fighting series, and there's only so many hours in the day, like we said before. So I'm going to focus in on what's good and what's great. And same thing with Super Mario World. Mm. And now that Mortal Kombat's back, it's like those are my memories. Like it, it really burned into my brain. It's like Mortal Kombat's just a stiff fighter. It's got the violent violence gimmick. So did Thrill Kill and all those other games. You know, it's like Thrill Kill never came out. I guess but, I have Thrill Kill. Though. Do you? Yeah. And uh, that was back know, when you I, uh, you could buy like ROMs of burned discs of games on eBay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Before they start regulating all that stuff, um, Thrill Kill would be aw- an awesome topic for another another time. We can talk uh, about Thrill Kill. Yeah, I mean that was a four player fighter. Th- Thrill Kill turned into Def Jam, the, the first Def Jam four player fighter game. What was that called? Def Jam Vendetta. And was that the first Fight one for New York? I don't know if that was the first one or not. But I think Vendetta was the first one. Okay. Yeah, it was going to be fr- from EA. Uh, and it's whole. It was a gimmick thing. It was a four-player fighter that was ultra violent. Yeah, um, and, and I'm trying to can't... think what the kills were. There was like a an S and M dominatrix character. Who, That's and the She character. had like a cattle prod, like an electric cattle prod, <laughs> and she would like they had finishing moves like in like in uh, Mortal Kombat where she would like stick it in someone's gut and shock them until they blew into pieces, or she would like put them on all fours and ride them like a cowgirl and then stick the electric shocker up their ass. It was like something. It was it was like this. But this is like nineteen. 97 or 98? Yeah, it's around there. Because I remember PlayStation Magazine did like, really was covering the hell out of that game. And the, 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 the interesting lore behind that game for the readers that, or the listeners that don't know is that that game went gold and was done and then mm-hmm. got canceled. Yeah. Like literally like weeks before it came out. It was like, they're like, we're not releasing this game anymore because it was, I guess, so over the top. You know? And maybe we expect that more now today. But back in the day, I guess it was, things were a little more sensitive. Yeah. Um, but that's another thing that we were talking about though is that uh, we're so desensitized to that now that right. Mortal Kombat isn't as shocking as it used to be. Yeah. Like I, I think the fatalities are, are great in in the new Mortal Kombat, but like they have to really go so far over the top to get a reaction. They out do. Of Some us. of these things are just absurdly violent yeah. and visceral, just to like get 
close to that level that from the first one, just like which was like a spike pit. Yeah, and you were like, "What?" He's like, "Oh, he pulled up the guy's head, yeah. and blood came out." I know. I somebody um, watched uh, Clements playing it, and it was like Scorpion, like chops someone on the neck and then on the waist and then kicks their torso out and cuts their head in half into air and blood splatters everywhere and they go weak and walk away. <laughs> well like that's how desensitized we are. Of course we are very you know we're typically very cynical, hard to impress yeah. uh, gamers over here. And still some of them made people actually like cringe. Which yeah the was one kind who, of which one is it noob that Cybots? When, yeah like, Snoop Cybots where they tear someone apart at the, from the at, legs. at the taint. Yeah. <laughs> from from taint to tip. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I meant to say. <laughs> um. Anyway, th- so Thrill Kill, yeah, like you, like you said, it was like had gone gold. I totally subscribed to, to PlayStation Magazine back in the day too. Is that magazine With the still smiley around? face and the wink? Yeah, was that, is that magazine still around? No, I don't. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I remember. Th- I. I uh... It came out in PSM started in like '97. My friend had the first issue at his birthday party, and I took the subscription thing out and subscribed. So I had every issue yeah. from issue two onward. And I love the cover, the PlayStation cover cases you get. Like I had yeah. the smiley yeah, face. Yeah, the smiley face one. Uh, yeah, they really covered Thrill, Thrill Kill, and like yeah. obviously the, the nature of the magazine was we didn't even know it was it was on like the release list for like that month, and then we didn't know until the next month when they wrote up that it yeah. got canceled or whatever. So not that I was going to buy it anyway. I guess money was I was playing too many RPGs at that time. So yeah. I was well, I was in college. At this time, I was going to the University of Kansas, and I, t- I totally bought a ROM, a disc of, of Thrillkill off eBay, but I don't remember like. A Bleem disc? What does that mean? Bleem that, was. Was that, is that what they called it? So uh, I, I had modded my PlayStation so it would play yeah. these discs. Bleem was one of the piracy uh, program things you could do. Um, okay. And then they had, the Dreamcast version was Bleemcast. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I had opened up my PlayStation and soldered in that wire that allowed you to play whatever it is. So I could, I was like importing Japanese games. I imported this Gamera game. <laughs> wow, there's a Gamera game. Yeah. It was like an on It was like Panzer Dragoon, but with Gamera. It was actually really. That really, sounds awesome. Yeah, it was a fun game. I can't remember what it was called uh, offhand, but it was really good. And then I was getting all of these burn discs, like um Jammer Lammy and uh, nice. Uh, God, I don't know. But then not one of them was was Thrill Kill. And I had to, so I had this game that was never released. I was really proud of that. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, like, I, I uh, it's kind of cool. It reminds me of like recently, like with NBA Elite Eleven being canceled. Like, some people have retail copies of that game, even though like they never mm. released it. So it's kind of cool. It's like a, a similar kind of thing where you kind of get a little taste of something that no one else is going to. The game wasn't terrible, I should say. It, it just it wasn't you know if you took it was it's like Mortal the early Mortal Kombat. If you took the shocking violence out of it, it would be nothing special. Right. But like we certainly had a lot of fun. <laughs> Watching people tear each other apart. There was like a hillbilly cannibal guy, you know, and like he was like barefoot and in, in overalls, and he would like tear off your arm and chew on it. At, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> it was a classy it was game. Yeah. yeah, super classy. But uh, on, on the point of Mortal Kombat, I think more than I think most fans aren't. I mean, I'm sure some of them will argue that it is a uh, technically solid fighter. I feel that like that's what a lot of people. I should point out. I think you know, Clements would say that he does enjoy the mechanics, at least of the new, the newest game. Right, right. Yeah, you can enjoy them enough. I think it's it's a different comparison than you wouldn't try to compare it to Street Fighter if you knew what you were talking about. But at the same time, like Mortal Kombat's kind of a a whole package. Like people like that beyond just like interesting fatalities. There's this whole kind of like every character is somewhat interesting. They all kind of have these like different movesets and, and their own like gimmicks too, in addition to the like violence stuff. So like there are people who kind of argue it was cool to play like uh Scorpion versus Sub-Zero and have that. Whereas like when you played Street Fighter, 
one dude would be Ken, one be Ryu, and you couldn't like argue who was better because they were the same character. So it's kind of like everybody had their own little things to it, and there was this weird kind of humor to it that a lot of fighting games don't manage to have, even though it was like so over the top and like grotesque. It was also funny in a way, and that like the new game kind of manages to bring that back. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm, I don't know. There's like so many games <laughs> on the backlog. It's like I, I, I'm interested in trying it. Uh, but at the same time, it's like there's just too many other things that are going to take precedent, and I feel like it's just going to get buried. So I'm interested in that game, but I feel like I'm at a, a point in my life that it's hard to really get into it because I think it's designed for like people to play with friends and like when you have friends over, yeah, and stuff. Uh, but you know, I'm an adult. I'm I'm, I'm I live alone. Uh, I I don't have friends over to my house very often, so I don't have a lot of opportunities. But you can play online. But I you know. Better it's not the same. Or, yeah, it's just yeah. not the same. It's like having someone on the couch next to you. Like I spent so countless hours playing rival schools when I was in college because oh, yeah. I had, you know, like I was I lived in a house with a bunch of guys and we would have parties and we'd have people over and we'd all get in onto the couch and play rival schools. Rival schools is a great game. Yeah. I don't have that anymore, you know. Yeah. So, I don't know. The original Mortal Kombat was released in 1992. It was developed by just four people. Uh, wow. And it was one of the first games, if not the first, to use those digitized sprites where there was so it was like Yeah. It looks so real. I mean, there are it's actual photographs of actors. Yeah. Know, and then, uh, I don't know exactly how the technology works, but I wonder it's a very the, specific look. I wonder who those actors are now. Yeah. Where are they I now? I want to find Sonya Blade. Johnny Cage. The original Sonya Blade. Uh, like I, I mentioned Pit Fighter earlier. Do you guys remember Pit Fighter? This is another like digitized... I remember it existing, but yeah, I never played it. Game. It's like Bloodsport, where it's like, a, I think it's a one-on-one fighter or maybe a two-on-two, but it's like there was a crowd and then you're down in this pit just brawling and it's you have digitized sprites of actors again. And it was uh, on, what was it on? What was it? it came out in arcades. Oh, okay. And then I think it came probably came to consoles or okay. it came to Genesis or something like that. Too. I miss Killer Instinct. As a, oh, yeah. as a Genesis kid, yeah. I didn't get Killer Instinct, yeah. so I had to go to my friend's that house. That was a rare game. Yeah. The developer, not like hard to find. <laughs> well, that too. Uh, it was a really big deal when Mortal Kombat came home to yeah super nintendo and genesis and the ports were very different they were yeah because the super nintendo one was technically superior and had better graphics yeah it looked however better. It looked like the arcade however it was censored yeah so all of the blood was changed to this gray sweat right so it like like we were just like we've been talking about taking away the whole gimmick of of the game the whole reason to enjoy it yeah exactly the uh the fatalities were changed to finishing bonus you could perform a finishing bonus on <laughs> nice. your on your on your uh, very exciting. Set. I know, right? But the I never I don't think I ever played Mortal Kombat on the Genesis. But how did it control in terms of like when you played Street Fighter on the three button Genesis controller? You had to hit start to switch between punches and kicks. Like it made the game like really like hard to play. Wow, I don't even. Remember I played that. it on the six button. Oh, okay. Yeah, was... and uh, and I remember. I wonder if it was like a similar kind of thing with uh, with Mortal Kombat. Uh, I don't remember offhand. Um, I uh, yeah, I can't remember how it actually worked. There, there you were probably was, pressing like you know you had A B C and then you had like A and B and B and C. Yeah. They always did that, and that would be five buttons, and that would be enough to play Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I assume so. You guys remember the Game Genie? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Is the Game Genie still around? No. No, it's a uh, Game Genie got replaced by Game Shark, and Game Shark got replaced by Action Replay. Okay. Interesting. There was a Game Genie code that would turn the sweat red on the SNES version. It still didn't look quite right, but no. it, at least it was the color of blood. But it didn't like look quite the same as it did in the arcade. I loved Game Genie. It was fun. I mean, I didn't really like cheating with it, but the one thing Game Genie did on NES especially was make your cartridges work better because like it had a snugger fit, and then you because mm. like the NES pins sat on top of each other for whatever reason. But yeah, I think I think SNES and Genesis were the last generation that had those, and then like you said, PlayStation and Saturn stuff had, had Game Shark. Game Shark. Yeah. So, mm. 
But yeah, it was cool. I remember I remember people like talking about that code, and I remember SNES version being technically better, and I didn't have much of a choice because I didn't have a Genesis until later. So um, I got a Genesis like I don't know in the late '90s because I found Castlevania Bloodlines brand new at Toys R Us, and it was like really exciting. So uh, that's a really good game. Yeah, it is. I like Bloodlines. They had like a bunch of new copies of it. You know, it was like. It's just like one of those awesome finds, like it, totally well after that generation. Like they're just probably sitting in the back somewhere and someone found them. Uh, I don't think I ever used a Game Genie myself, but I remember it being around. I remember it being sort of controversial that Nintendo was like trying to, they were like think fighting the, it, right? Yeah, I think Nintendo sued Galoob, actually, the, the makers of it, but I'm not sure. And I remember I, even like being a, a kid, like that sort of like image of the corporate giant trying to stop the little guy. I remember that pissed me off. Yeah. Well, they like, tend to like, that a lot. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> like, like whatever. Like, what, so if people want to like use a cheat code, so what? They've already bought the game. You already have their money. What do you care? Yeah, they were, they were, mm-hmm. they were, they were total control freaks. For better and for worse at the end that time. I, I think that when the top-loading NES came out, 94-ish, when Mega Man 6 came out, uh, I think that the... I, I could be wrong, but I think the game genie didn't fit. In the new top-loading NES. Yeah, well, I mean, I think they came out with a, a they new just make version a new, of it. A new game yeah, genie, but yeah, your old game genie didn't work. Um, I remember this is before the internet, so like the the way the thing worked would the, there'd be a menu and you'd have to enter like these digit codes. Yeah. But you had a book, and the book like would be updated. So if you bought a new game genie, it would be kind of an updated book. But like your friend would have the old book, and you'd have a new game, and there'd be no codes for it. And there was yeah. no internet for you to be like. But weren't there like Game Genie codes in magazines? Like they'd publish Game Genie codes. Some yeah, some magazines have like a Game Genie section. Yeah. And they would do that, so you always had to have this like resource. You had to like track these things down. You couldn't just like. And then by the time Game Genie came out, you'd be like, there'd be whole websites. Do you guys remember like in the old magazines, probably in like EGM and, and Game Fan, where towards the back there'd be these like full page ads for import shops. Mm-hmm. God, I just remember I would always like pour over those thinking like, oh, I should import a PC engine. Yeah, yeah, they had like oh, they had all these games that aren't available. Uh, yeah, they had like listed games and the prices, and yeah, you'd be like, like, why is this game so expensive? And then this <laughs> game's cheaper, and like you never even heard any of this stuff. See, that's one of the great things about old gaming was that you know we really take for granted now that there's obviously a lot of Japan only games that still come out, but we get a lot of those games and we get them really t- in a timely fashion. But yeah. back in the day, man, like localizing games took forever. I mean, a game like Dragon Warrior, for instance, took almost three years. To come over to the United States, you know, it came out in '86 in Japan, it came out in '89 here, mm-hmm. and uh, we kind of took those things for granted. So, like a lot of these games are like, man, you ever hear of? Uh, I mean, we were even talking about Sweet Home, which was like, a, like really the precursor to, to, to Resident Evil. I had never heard of until you brought this up. Yeah, it's like a Famicom game that's like really the pre- about a haunted house. That's like really the precursor for Resident Evil, and apparently Resident Evil was supposed to originally be a remake of Sweet Home, mm-hmm. and. But it's like when you hear when I, I remember first reading about that game on the internet in like the mid mid nineties, whatever late nineties, and it's like, man, like what the hell is Sweet Home? Like we never got this game, and that was the way it always was. We were always anxious to get these games. Some of these games never came out. We never heard of them. We didn't even know Super Mario Two was not Super Mario Two until well after that generation. No one knew that. You know, it's yeah. like it, it's just so cool. We kind of take those things for granted. The internet, in a way, kind of has ruined a lot of the mystique of of gaming from the days of yore when you would like exchange codes totally. and hints with your friends and like totally. Simon's Quest is a great example like who the hell knew knew you had to kneel down at that certain place and the tornado would come whisk you away to a new part of the map and stuff no one figured that out it was like a friend told a friend from Nintendo Power you read it in the magazine and now you just go on GameFAQs and look it up Uh, another classic franchise that's returning soonish is Duke Nukem. Obviously, Duke Nukem, very high-profile game. It's making Colin groan over here. Yeah, I mean, also not a big fan of Duke Nukem. I, I take it. 
I have no problem with the game mechanically. I mean, I didn't play the early Duke Nukem's at all when they were side-scrollers, but... Um, yeah, just more about the vaporware it's, nature of this game is, like, well, just yeah. annoying the shit out of me, to be honest. Yeah, so. the trailers are, are bugging me. It it's just a, seems very, uh, I don't know. I think people in general are really excited about this game. I, I anticipate it selling really well, but there isn't a lot of excitement in the IGN office. Yeah. I could let, we could let the listeners know. Like, not a, many of us are really like, oh, I can't wait for that Duke Nukem forever. Yeah, I mean, there are things that, as I'm seeing things, it's... It's kind of cool because I, I played like a little bit of Duke Nukem and I'm recognizing things in the game. I mean, so it's very like lots of uh, similar weapons. They were showing off um, like the like that shrink gun is, mm -hmm. is back in it and stuff. So it's kind of like, OK, cool. It's nice little homage to it. But then, I mean, like then they're like, hey, watch, let's pick up some poop. And you're like, oh, OK, great. Awesome. <laughs> Twelve year olds made a video game. Yeah, I mean, the thing that the thing about the game to me, the the franchise I keep thinking about when people bring up Duke Nukem is Leisure Suit Larry. It's like. Leisure Suit Larry came out in the late 80s, and it was like mm -hmm. it worked in the time and, and stuff like that. And obviously, Duke Nukem. Came explain out. maybe if the listeners don't know what it is. Explain okay. exactly yeah, so what it is. Leisure Suit Larry was like a, originally like an adventure game uh, based upon this like 40 something year old like kind of dirtbag like faux ladies man guy that would like just be chasing women, and yeah. it was like really dirty humor and stuff like that. But it it was very timely. Like it fit in the times. There was nothing like it, and like people I know really enjoyed those games. There was like six of them or something in like yeah. a seven or eight year period on PC, and then and it came back recently and was terrible. Exactly. So yeah. like it, so like Duke, Leisure Suit Larry uh, was like like stopped in like '96 and then uh, there were two PS2 one yeah Magna Cum Laude or whatever uh, came out which I guess was okay but then re more recently mm, it was not okay <laughs> well uh, well box so I was reading about the new one and I actually beat the newest one but I got the platinum trophy on PlayStation Three <laughs> it, it, and it was like the, the most things painful. the things you will do for your trophy I know it's nuts it's, it was like I was a, during the war though yeah it was during the yeah. great trophy back, war. I remember back in the war, the war yeah <laughs> <laughs> really it was like it was like a Are game you, where so I was you're like, a veteran. You're a vet. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, okay. I'm a vet. Okay. And I'm a veteran of a great trophy horror war. And uh, trophy horror war one. And uh, <laughs> and so I played Box Office Bus, which is the newest Leader Suit Larry. And what, what I realized was the game was like technically unsound. It was awful. I was reading a lot about it on the wiki. People think it's like one of the worst games of the generation. And like, what I'm wondering is like even the humor and stuff was like so ill timed and like it didn't fit and it just didn't work. Like Leader Suit Larry doesn't work anymore, you know. And that's kind of what I keep thinking about with Duke Nukem. Like Duke Nukem might not work anymore. We're gonna find out if it does or not. But like the last Duke game of any consequence, with the exception of I guess Game Boy Advance games and stuff, was Duke Nukem 3D. That was really the first person shooter. That's what we think about when we think about Duke Nukem. That was. Yeah. That was 15 years ago. Yeah, that's that's a long time ago that game came out. You, know, you realize so, yeah. So a little history on, on Duke Nukem here. I didn't realize this. The original Duke Nukem came out in 1991. Was I didn't know it was that early. Long either. ago, wow. and it was a side-scrolling like platformer shooter, hmm. much like the later on their Duke Nukem came to Game Boy Color. And it was a side-scrolling game. And Craig Harris gave it a 9.0. <laughs> oh, boy. The Game Boy Color has a lot of 9.0s. <laughs> it's, it's, it's IGN's uh, highest-rated Duke Nukem game alongside the Game Boy Advance version, which ran in 3D also. But both of those games got a 9.0 from IGN. Interesting. Yeah, but Duke Nukem started out as a side-scrolling platformer on PC. And apparently was one of, like, sort of, like, that and um, Commander Keen sort of, like, brought platforming to the PC. Yeah, and shareware models, too, yeah. I think. And it wasn't until 1996 that Duke Nukem 3D came out, and that's the one that really blew up. Uh, but that was the that was one that had the uh, sort of over the top violence and the sexuality and the profanity and yeah. all that stuff. And that's cool. But again, that was like it's the same thing with Mortal Kombat. Like that was timely, and like people didn't see anything like that at the time. Like it was unexpected. I think that's what people were into it. I mean, you said like the game sold really well. I was I was reading about it. it sold three and a half million copies. That's that's really impressive for 1996 on a PC from a game that's not it from a company rather that's not id. I mean, yeah. that's really really impressive. That's like 
you know, I don't know how Doom sold, but you would expect Doom or Quake to sell that well. Doom 2 and even Wolfenstein and the, and the, the packs that came after that. Mm-hmm. It's like, so that's a really impressive number, but, you know, and I, I've talked about this on Podcast Beyond too. I think it would have been cooler if the, like when uh, Duke Nukem uh, Forever was supposed to come out in like 98, 99 or whatever, whatever they had then, they should have just finished that like now and then to release it as a $10 PlayStation Network and XBLA game so we could have seen it would have been kind of cool again it would have had a great mystique like we would have seen like what this game that almost never came out was even if it's really dated looking and stuff like that instead they kind of tried to give it the just like they did with Leader Sue Larry it's like they tried to give it the, the look of the time the feel of the time with new graphics and and new mechanics and stuff like that and it's just it didn't work then and I just I'm not sure if it's going to work now like I think that the the ship has sailed for Duke Nukem like really who cares you know like well, that's lots what, of people do that. I know, but it's like who, like who is it that really is like so excited about Duke Nukem? It has to be older gamers, you know. And it's like, I just feel yeah. like they're, they're, they should have fonder memories of a, of a myriad of games that have come out since then that they would anticipate more than another Duke Nukem game. But yeah. that's my opinion, I guess. You know, <clears throat> I think it's uh, it's right after E3, Duke Nukem Forever finally comes out. Yeah, it got, pu- it got pushed back again. So uh, yeah, <laughs> recently, so it's, it's too funny, man. It's like what twelve years now in the making. It's like. Yeah. No, no amount of hype, no like can, or rather, no amount of effort and how great the game is is going to live up to the hype of so long. Like five different companies having their hand on that game, five different like developers. You know, I hope people have seen enough of it so far to know what they to expect, at least mm-hmm. on a general level. I mean, I feel like the, I don't, I don't know what they're if they're what they're doing is helping or hurting the hype level, but yeah, you're going to find out. There are going to be a lot of boobs in it, so <laughs> score. I'm interested. I will say that I am going to play it. I have to play it. Yeah. Mm. Maybe the trophies will be good, Damon. I don't know. It'll, be, it'll certainly, I'm sure, be better than box office bust. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I, I, I think that's, that's safe to say. My girl, my girl, I'll never forget my girl. I was like screaming into a pillow at one point. I'm like, oh, like this game sucks. Like I can't. Like I was like doing some awful platforming or whatever. And my girlfriend was just like, like staring at me, like shaking it? her head. Yeah, like you have to like, oh. there's like some awkward like camera angles and stuff. That game, oh my God, dude. Oh, it's like the most painful experience. I can't believe I even have I'm almost ashamed I have a platinum trophy in that game, but I digress. Well, I think one of the th- best things... About- this is a great time for to be a gamer. Uh, not, all- not only do we have great new games like, you know, Crisis 2 and Portal 2 coming out all the time, but we all- there's like always something like retro-ish, you know, mm-hmm. being released mm-hmm. at the same time too. Whether it's like Super Meat Boy something that's kind of like based on old school platformers or it's re-releases of, of, of old games, HD versions of old games or faithful ports of old games, all this stuff. There's always like something retro going on. So uh, r- right now, things retro-ish games, uh, you should probably want to check out right now. There's a game called Monster Tale on DS. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Which is a Metroidvania style game. Uh, you should probably check it out. Probably one of the, the good last uh, DS games. Yeah, there's nothing... To still play on your 3DS for a while, so I'll go ahead and <laughs> buy a, a DS game. Uh, we have Monster Tail in 8.5. It's it's cool. It's like you you play a little girl who gets whisked away to this new world, and you have a monster buddy who follows you around, and uh, you do a lot of exploring, like in Metroidvania, and upgrading your powers and then backtracking so you can get to new areas. And you can always upgrade your monster buddy that follows you around in like Pokemon style uh, to increase its abilities, and it'll fight enemies around the environment for you that sort of thing and you feed it like lollipops to uh upgrade it or you can like have it train and play sports to like improve its abilities it's cool cool uh and colin you uh reviewed moondiver mm-hmm. recently uh, this is a playstation network game coming soon to xbox live yeah okay. may 4th or 5th i think it comes to xbla 
Uh, you gave Moondiver a 7.0. What, what's, yep. Mo- what's Moondiver all about? Uh, so it's a Shinobi-like game, actually from the developer of... Uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Strider-like game from the... Yeah, Sh- it's Strider. Right? We, we had this conversation before. It's uh, I keep getting the, the two games confused. Oh, well, which is it? It's I think it's Strider. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Shinobi's the ninja. It's definitely Strider. Yeah. It's a Strider-like game from the developer of Strider. Um, and it's cool. It's fun. Uh, it's just... It's, it's uh, heinously old school in the sense that I really think... If you, you don't, it's difficult. It's, it is. It's it is. Diff- it's a difficult game. It's really meant to be played. Here's the crux of the issue. It's meant to be played with multiple gamers, either locally or online. But if you get more than two gamers on there, you can have up to four. The game gets really muddled and confusing. It's hard to keep track of your character, especially because um, you can all theoretically use the same character. So it's like, and there's no, nothing really differentiating them if you do that. So like, I jumped into a game online. Someone was using my character. It was really hard for me to figure out who I was, even though there was like a little icon above my head. It's very fast paced and stuff. Um, so. Uh, I recommend it, but it, it's a good game. Like I said, at some point, it's a good game, but it doesn't live up to the hype. I was expecting more out of it, um, and it's really. I tried to beat it by myself, and I got all the way through the game, but I had like to the end boss, but I had to drop the difficulty level because. Hmm. And so it's kind of like a catch twenty two because you need your help help with friends, but it doesn't play quite as well if you're not playing it by yourself. So, um, and it's a little expensive. I'd wait for it to drop in price um, unless you're Is it really fifteen still. Yeah, it's fifteen dollars on PSN. Yeah, we're seeing that seems to be the new. Standard price uh, for downloadable games, which is disappointing. But at the same time, all you have to do is wait a little bit, and everything goes on sale. Mm-hmm. Like right now, there's you know an, an amazing sale going on in Xbox Live or Limbo and uh, other like Microsoft release games. Shadow like Complex, Shadow Complex cool. Castle Crashers are all like fifty percent off right now. So yeah, it's great. I, I think the fifteen dollar level is fine for some games. I mean, I, we, we we I know we both really have a soft spot for Trine, for instance, mm-hmm. and that's more of a 15 or 20 dollar level game and you can and you can really understand spending that much money on that kind of game. But I really I think the 10 dollars is a sweet spot for I think just so about too. everything else. I think so too. So I'm a little disappointed that developers are really trying to push it. And I if Moondiver was 10 bucks, I'd be much more inclined to to uh recommend it to people that m- might be on the fence. But I mean, I'd wait for it to drop. Like you said, like these things do drop in price. We were just talking about like Section Eight and, and all these games that yeah. like start like really high price and like a week later, like half the price they were. So. Now you mentioned Strider. Mm-hmm. This is a this, 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 that game has a long history. It's been it's been dormant for a long time. Yes. I wonder if we'll ever see a return of Strider. <sighs> Maybe this is. A, I mean, in a way, it's like it's surprising that Moondiver wasn't a Strider game. But so in a sense, I'm I'm I, I, I'm inclined to think that. Uh, it's not going to come, but maybe this is like kind of testing the waters to see. Did you play Strider on NES? Yeah, that's my experience with it. So, but I think it was an, an arcade game first. Yeah, that's how I understand it too. A lot of things were. I mean, even like, uh, like even when you watch like The Wizard and stuff like that, which is a great old '80s movie. It's like you see that a lot of these games were in the arcade, and I don't remember playing any of them in the arcade. Like Castlevania was in the arcade, you know. But I didn't. I, didn't I was going to say I think that's where I first became aware of it. But see, to be honest, that was that's part of the Play Choice Ten series, I believe, which is Nintendo arcade cabinets that just played NES games. Okay. Right? Right. Okay. So, um, that makes sense. I don't know that there was just a, a dedicated Castlevania machine made by Konami. Yeah, that would be awesome if there was. I might be wrong, but I don't think there was. Because, I mean, even, uh, I, I know I don't know exactly what the nature of it is, but uh, Sam Claiborne, one of our editors here, is uh, really into retro games, too. He has a bunch of arcade cabinets. One of the arcade cabinets plays Mega Man 3. It's like, that's, which is my favorite game of all time, and that's, like, really crazy, and I wonder, like, was that it had to be it, part that, of Play Choice 10. Yeah, it must have been, because I'm like, is that like out there? Like, I don't remember. I used to go to arcades. I don't remember seeing those. I, I remember very specific games from the arcades. None of them were games that I was playing on the NES. A lot of them were Genesis games and uh, Sega games and stuff like that, games that I wasn't really exposed to in, 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 in the home. So, um, 
But yeah, in terms of Strider, I think it would be cool. It's like, you know, games are coming back. Like, Bionic Commando came back. People really enjoyed Rearmed and well, stuff Rearmed like that. Rearmed is good. Rearmed 2 was not good. Right, yeah. exactly. So, I mean, so do it right, you know. Yeah, do it right. And they it, just brought Russian Attack back. Oh, God, that game is terrible. Well, that game didn't need to come back. It's like, that. that's like a Cold War era. Like, that game doesn't even make sense <laughs> anymore. You know, it's like... That the game does. I don't know why they did that, but I liked the original game. The original game is fun. It has really cool music too. Also, a Konami game. Mm. Uh, check that one out on NES. Konami's bringing back a lot of uh, old school stuff because they did the same thing with a uh, Rocket Knight last year. Yeah, which was, was okay. Like, it was okay. It was kind of like, oh, why'd you bring this back? <laughs> <laughs> Rocket Knight it. Adventures was a like yep. Super Nintendo Genesis game. Genesis game, yeah, sixteen bit yeah. game, it and it was fun. fifteen dollars when it came out. If I remember correctly, so I think it was also an episode one that never got an episode two. Yeah, probably. Yep. Whatever happened to the the Sonic new Sonic episodes? Apparently, they switched over to Generations. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Sega's dumping like like it's weird because at least on PSN like Sega dumped like Gunstar Heroes on there and then like didn't do anything for a while. Then like released more recently like Sonic Episode One and then like Sonic One and Two are coming out like Golden Axe or something's coming out in a few weeks and stuff. So like they're starting to. I think companies are in the in, in the sense that we're talking about retro games. I think companies are starting to realize that they can just really dump these games back on like these networks and, and people will buy them for five bucks a piece. Yeah. That's great. Well, I mean, Backbone has already um, emulated all the uh, Genesis games for the collection. Which so I have two Platinums in because I... The Genesis yeah, collection? Yeah, got the, yeah. the Mega Drive collection yeah, and the yeah, Genesis so, collection. So yeah, we have the Sega Genesis collection which I got the Platinum in and then uh, uh, Sam Claiborne again has the Australian version of the game because it came with like a, a vinyl record that he wanted with the soundtracks, and I got a, I did it all again and got the sec, the yeah, separate platinum. Because they game. changed the name, it's a completely different trophy set, but it's the same thing. So you can just platinum it twice. That's amazing. Uh, but anyway, the all Sega, those games are out. So the like, Sega Genesis just, collection is amazing. Yeah, it's it great. is. It's Any great. of our listeners that did not have a Genesis back in the day, you yeah. you have to pick that one up. You can get a, it's a budget, it's a budget title, and you really you get all of these great Sega Genesis games. Yeah, in anyone one who's thinking of buying these games on Xbox Live or PSN, just go get the collection and get all of them. And yeah, then you it's have fantastic. That. The only thing that's different is that, like, uh, the XBLA stuff, like Sonic 2, lets you play the multiplayer modes online, mm-hmm. and the disc collection doesn't. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. not eh. too important to me. But, no. Uh, yeah. It's available on both uh, 360 and PS3. So. Yeah, it's really cool. I really, you know, what game? By the way, I really dig, and people think I'm crazy because I wasn't a Genesis kid. Like I said, I got Genesis later. And the only games I really played on Genesis of Friends were like EA Sports games, which were great on Genesis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but that game, it's a really early Genesis game, Fatal Labyrinth. Do you, do you Are you familiar with that game? That, that's a game I think like, I, I remember seeing the box. I'd go to the rental store. I, went, I would go to video library to rent my games. <laughs> and uh, I remember seeing that box a hundred times, but I don't think I ever actually played it. It's like a it's like a dungeon crawling like RPG. But Is it like, isometric? It's, uh, no, it isn't. Okay. And it, it's, uh, it's basically... Um, it's like Ease 1 and 2 where instead of attacking characters you're basically just running into them mm. and like that's damaging them and uh it's it's just a strange like I'm 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 vaguely remembering it now because I only played it enough to get the trophy in that game and then I, I stopped because I would just move on from game to game in that, right, in that collection. Yeah. But I remember being really being like this game you know in 10 or 15 minutes it's like this game's kind of cool like I wish there was like more simple RPGs like this on Super Nintendo cuz it wasn't very polished, but we didn't get a lot of, like... Nintendo was still kind of crazy with the quality control stuff at that point. And so we didn't get yeah. a lot of these, like, kind of in-the-middle games too often. But it was cool. Nintendo had its awesome action RPGs, though. The Super Nintendo. Yeah, oh yeah. And the Secret of Mana, of course. Uh, yeah. the, 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 I really think the ultimate game that people overlook too much is the Enix game, Act Razor, Which I think is, like... Oh, Act Razor is great. It's so, not the second one, though, because everyone, like, looks at the second one and they want to, like, start with that one. But that that's, like, a straight action game, like... 
Actor Razor is like such a good game that combines like, like RPG and strategy blend. elements. Yeah, it's a blend of, of these two genres. There's nothing like it. There's like nothing like it before or after. Like I can't believe that people like haven't demanded an Actor Razor, like a new Actor Razor game. Those games are so good. <laughs> and I remember, I remember being like young and and people were like kind of like at least in my neighborhood and in my school and so people were like, man, this game's really cool. But like then they released Actor Razor two, which basically just gutted the game, and then that was the the end of it. Tell, explain more about Actor Razor. This was a Super Nintendo launch title, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really. Uh, yeah, it was. It, yeah, it was really early, 1991. So it must have been. Um, it's so it's a, basically a game that is half action game. So you'd go through like 2D action platforming sections where you'd fight enemies and kill a boss, and that would unlock a part of a map, like a world map, where you would then go into this mode of building a town in like a Sim City kind of way, where you would build a town and build like people would ask you for things. You you'd give them like water, or, like let them plant crops and they'd build houses and they'd become stronger and stronger and have this thriving community, which would then unlock another segment of the map where you'd f- go back into an action part of the game and fight enemies and unlock another part of the map. It was like really, aw- it was a really awesome game. It's on virtual console. I, I went back and played it not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really special game. It's like probably one of my favorite games um, uh, on the Super Nintendo easily. Yeah. And it's just kind of a shame because the second, so the second game came out, and for some reason they thought it was it would be wise to remove the best elements of the game, which were the strategy elements. Yeah, so it and it just, was just an action game. Yeah. And that was like, this, what's the like? Because the action, the action parts were fun, but it definitely wasn't like a blow you away kind of game in that sense. The, the blow you away part of the game was like the the real strategy and, and thought that had to go into like you know, figuring all these puzzles out and, and making your communities thrive and stuff. I remember there was, like, even really specific number sets. I looked them up on GameFAQs, like, because um, it was a pretty primitive game compared to SimCity, but, like, you could, you would have to, like, to get your communities to the maximum growth level, you'd have to, like, actually destroy houses and destroy farms and make them rebuild them over and over again so you get, like, randomized numbers of people in each house until you reach, like, the maximum level where, like, no one would build anything anymore and stuff. Like, really crazy old-school shit like that. So, but a really special game, and I, I totally recommend that game to people, too. I remember... Uh, even before the Super Nintendo was out, you could rent the Super Famicom from Video Library. Wow! So I rented the I rented the Super Famicom with Super Mario World. I beat it. So I I beaten Super Mario World before it was even out here. I remember that being really awesome. I got all was my that friends. Your first time that you were like a video game snob to your friends? Like, eh, I already beat that. Yeah, maybe it might be. But I remember like so I, I when I, I beat it and then I went back and played it again and we got we had this like giant camcorder. Like remember when a camcorder was something that you like rested on your shoulder <laughs> with like a full video cassette tape in the side. Exactly, yeah. a, a VHS cassette tape you yeah. put in there. And then I like filmed the TV and I filmed like uh, me beating the game. It's awesome. <laughs> awesome. That's really cool. It's really good. Uh, also out right now is uh, BitShift Runner. It came out for WiiWare last year, and uh, it's out for PC now on Steam. Those are, the whole BitShift series is a very, has a very cool retro aesthetic. Yep. And each entry in the series is a little bit different, plays its own way. The Runner game is sort of this on-rails platformer-style game that's popular right now, like Cannabalt or... Uh, the Rainbow super, Unicorn yeah, something. Attack. Attack that we robot. Have our <laughs> robot Unicorn Erasure attack. Erasure Song. <laughs> yeah. Um, Erasure Song. The Adult Swim uh, game. Yeah. I think it's Robot Unicorn Attack. Robot Unicorn Attack. Uh, sure. well, it's, we have it in our break room. We don't even know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also out right now are two portable Final Fantasies that are mm. both really good. Final Fantasy 3 is uh, available for iPhone now. Mm-hmm. And wow. uh, it's a good, really good port of that game. And then, Colin, you also recently uh, reviewed the Final Fantasy 4, what is it, Complete Collection? Yeah, Complete Collection. For PSP. Yeah, it's a fine. I give it a 9. It's... um. 
Three is a great game too because I think Three is a, on iPhones a port of the DS remake, which yeah. was the first yeah. time we got the game. Yeah, that's a good game. Uh, I wrote they the totally redid all the re- re- the visuals in 3D for that one. Yeah, it's cool. It's it's fun, and that was obviously the last Final Fantasy game we never got in the states, so it's like kind of special in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you played them all in order that they came out in the states, then that was the last one you're going to play, I guess after 12, and so that's kind of cool to go back and play that. But um, yeah, f- four complete collections really cool. I really like it. I think Final Fantasy Four is easily the second best Final Fantasy game. Only six is better than it in my opinion and I'm, I'm waiting for 6 to finally get some treatment where like does that, like, 7 fit on that list for you? Uh, I was talking about this on, on Twitter actually because someone asked me I order them it's like I go like 4 6 9 5 and then 7 or wow. 1 and 7 so 7 is like somewhere in the middle I think well, I actually like 1 somewhere Clement's his head just like, yeah like I, I, and then like 13 and 12 and then 10 are at the end um so Final Fantasy VII is a is, is, is a retro game now yeah it is it, retro it's 14 years old I guess 8 and 9 also are uh, I mean, yeah, nine all... feels less retro. If you go back and look at seven and and then nine and like compare them, it. I mean, like even when they came out, I remember like playing nine and loving it, and then going back to seven and being kind of taken aback. But like, yeah. I'm like, I thought I remember this looking better, and it's only been like a year since I played it last. Yeah. Well, well, PlayStation and N64 like 3D era games like don't stand up today. Like that's really, kind of the, when games went 3D, they get, they got really ugly. Yeah, they did. I mean, like because I I look at like really late Super Nintendo games that look, are really pretty. Like Final Fantasy VI is a great example. Like that's yeah, a pretty game. Art. That's still a pretty game. Yeah. But then you look at like Mario 64, Pilot Wings, like early N64 games, and then moving into like PlayStation games and stuff, and you look, go back and look at them. Even Final Fantasy VII, which was beautiful when it came out, it's like man, this game kind of looks like shit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ocarina of Time with the remake of the Dream for the 3DS. I'm looking at it, and when I look at the remake, it's how I remember the game. Yeah. The remake. And then I go really back pretty. and look at the actual game, and it's like, oh man, yeah. I don't remember his like face being a triangle, and his nose is like huge, and like Zelda is not pretty. And yeah. Yeah. It's like it's just the, it's the nature of the times, which is kind of cool in, in a sense because it, it's it's very dated and, and it reminds you that you're what you're playing, but. Um, at the same time, yeah, so 7 kind of, like, Final Fantasy 7 kind of lost its luster, but with 4, I definitely recommend it, I think it's a great game, it's a story-driven game, that package has the After Years content from Wii, WiiWare, um, in it, which is, like, a, a pretty lengthy experience, it's got an all-new three- or four-hour piece called the Interlude, which ties everything together, mm-hmm. um, it's just a really special game, and I know that it's not only because, like, I have really great memories of that game, it's just a really story-driven, character-driven game, new Final Fantasies aren't. And that's why it's yeah. that's why it's so cool. Like I, I'm kind of messing around with writing a piece right now about Final Fantasy 13 and why I don't like it. And it's a lot of the reason is because like the characters are unlikable and they focus on all the wrong things. It's all about graphical fidelity and audio. We didn't have any choice back then. Like we we had to use our imagination. These were sprites running around really primitive environments. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I I've always loved that super deformed look. The little squat characters mm-hmm. of old Jap- of old RPGs. I, I still love that aesthetic. Yeah, yeah I do right. too. And I think it, I think it works. And obviously it works because really the great RPGs, Wild Arms and Tales of Destiny, and the Final Fantasies from the 90s and all those they all use that same that same look and even dragon quest which inspired final fantasy uses that same look so there's something to be said about that but if you really just want like a more cerebral final fantasy experience as far as like story and thought and and, and plot and some solid gameplay then go pick up final fantasy 4 it's 30 bucks i mean that's really cheap you get a lot of it's like 70 hours at least so it's you know yeah. if you have that kind of time that's totally great uh, well, listeners, thank you for joining us for this first episode of Back in the Day. We have some homework for you. If you've never played Castlevania 2, definitely go and check that one out. It's available on the Virtual Console uh, and by other various means. Yeah, you can figure it out. And I, in 10th grade, <laughs> smart. I, figure it out. In 10th grade, I wrote a fact for it, uh, which is still on Game Facts, so you can find it if you need help. Wow, And awesome. you will need help. <laughs> yeah, it's, you'll, you'll need help. But really, really good. I think I probably agree with Colin. It's probably my second favorite 
Castlevania game after Symphony of the Night. And uh, write into us and uh, let us know what you think of the game. Does it hold up? Do you think it's still fun today? What, what was your experience with Castlevania 2? This is a GameScoop Presents podcast, so you can always reach us at GameScoop at IGN.com. Write us in to let you know, uh, let us know what you think about this new podcast, uh, about the format, what works, what doesn't, and what you want to see, what you want to hear us talk about, uh, that sort of thing. So... Thank you, Colin, and thank you, Jack, thank you for yeah. uh, joining us. My name is Damon. We leave you today with the sounds of Metroid on the NES. This is a fantastic soundtrack, one of the best on the NES. Not only is it very tuneful, very melodic, but they were also able to achieve very strange, otherworldly sounds uh, that are perfect for a sci-fi game set on another planet. So, This is what video game music sounded like back in the day.
Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.